All right, everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Living in Southern Maryland podcast. Today, I got Scott Budden of Orchard Point Oysters. Um, thanks for coming on, Scott. Why don't you give us an overview of, of what Orchard Point Oysters is? Sure. Thanks for having us, Rob. So Orchard Point Oyster Company is an oyster farm and seafood dealer located on Maryland's eastern shore. And we've been farming oysters since uh, June of 2015. So I think this will be our ninth growing season. So almost a whole decade. Um, it's kind of crazy to think that it's gone by like that. Uh, but yeah, we started uh, after a several year process uh, getting a lease, our first lease in Chester River uh, in 15. And you know, fast forward, we uh, merged companies in 18 with some other individuals, um, Brian and Hal, that are farm, were farming in the Eastern Bay or just getting started. And uh, that allowed the company to expand its footprint to uh, more southerly waters to go south of Ken Island and Eastern Bay. And uh, yeah, we've uh, grown pretty pretty steadily since then. Um, obviously, uh, 20 and 21 with the pandemic didn't really help our cause there, but um, we've been able to you know scale the farm kind of organically uh, since then. And I think last year in 2022, I think we only sold, we're close. It was like 950,000 or something was off the farm. So we're like a medium to medium large size farm in the state, I would say, as far as, you know, it's, it's considered intensive oyster farming. Uh, so it's all in gear. I think we're kind of like a medium, a medium large size farm there. Yeah. That's, and that's awesome. Like, and so I'm, I'm a little bit fanboying too, because um, I did some oyster stuff on social media before and Orchard Point were one of the first oysters that I actually got for that oyster uh, content where I was trying different oysters and, and Scott and the Instagram and all that kind of stuff were amazing and pushing that stuff out. But I got to tell you, it was like the easiest experience ever to order from you guys compared to anyone else, just because it literally was just a few clicks and, and they were at my door completely packaged and ready to roll, which was, was awesome. So yeah, I, I can see why you're, why you're going up to going up to 950 uh, K in sales, you know, like that's, you make it easy for anyone that wants farm raised oysters. I mean, that's an awesome thing. So like we've been talking about oyster farming. What's the process look like for you guys when you farm oysters? Like, are they on the bottom? Do you have floats? Like, what is that? What is that process actually like? Sure. So we practice what we call uh, intensive farming. And I think the reason is that it's, it's intense kind of work. Um, there's extensive, which I think means more like external. So you're going to be broadcasting your oysters on the bottom, which is more a traditional way of farming them. Um, but with intensive culture, we actually, you know, get our oyster seed every spring, every two weeks, and you have to grade them there to separate the fast growers to get them out into open water faster. You don't want to hold those guys back. Um, and you also don't want to have the, you know, the hungry oysters, so to speak, taking food from the, the less hungry oysters. So you're constantly, you know, calling out the, the cream of the crop, so to speak, from the middle meat of the crop and then the, you know, slower runs. So you have to do that maybe, I don't know, five to six times in the nursery, if not more. And then open water might get touched two or three times in floats. Um, and you have to you know, dump the bags out, clean the oysters, clean the bags, run them through a tumbling system, which is like a giant rock tumbler made out of aluminum. And it actually has holes punched the whole way down. So it's sorting them according to if they retain on those hole sizes. Um, so they're you know, falling through using gravity and you're basically, again, you know, sorting out the, the fast growers from slow growers. And then you, you know, the fast growers get transported down to Eastern Bay and the 
small ones stay back in the floats to kind of continue to get shaped. Um, so it's a lot of touches. And, you know, each oyster might get touched 20, 30 times or so before it hits your plate. So very, very labor intense um, process. That, I mean, that's wild. I didn't realize. And so I'm kind of familiar with oyster farming myself. Like I've been around a few oyster farms and I can't remember. Um, I used to fish on um, St. Jerome's Creek and Circle Sea Oyster was was big back in 2005 ish and i remember going to their operations and some of the upwellers and stuff like that that i saw um but it's crazy how much of a process it is to get that that single oyster to your plate and i'm sure that's you know because it, oysters farm-raised oysters normally are a little bit more than than wild caught oysters and when you have that much man hours into it it makes sense why they would be you know you're putting a lot of effort into that like, how do you learn that stuff? Like, were there resources out there for you guys to learn from? Or is this kind of like MacGyver? Like, you've kind of figured it out as you went along? Um, I'd, I'd say in the beginning, it was a, a bit of trial and error. And I, I still think now it's it's a lot of trial and error. But, you know, there's certain other farmers that were established in the state that were, you know, somewhat willing and open to kind of show you the ropes. And, you know, if you're willing to put in a day of work or half day of work, they, they'd let you come to their farm and, and do that sort of thing, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because they're – you know, training their future competition. But, um, yeah, that, that was a big help in the beginning. And then University of Maryland uh, Extension has um, you know, a lot of rare resources. So trying to take advantage of that. But at some point, you know, you have to go from it being theory and academic to, all right, let's try it. Let's let's put some moisture in the water and see what happens. And I, th- and I think with us, we did do it, like, kind of on a hobby scale off of a pier for a while, like a lot of people do, just to see, if, you know, how, what it entails. And that's a good way to cut your teeth. But... Uh, it does not mimic the um, amount of work and um, headache that, that occurs when you're when you're doing it at scale. Um, so it was one of those things where you just kind of jump off the cliff and you build the airplane on your way. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of DIY on equipment, and you know, I didn't have a lot of resources at first. Um, and then as it kind of you know scales, and you're you're actually selling some oysters because it takes about 18 months to sell your first first oyster. Um, then you can start to you know, invest in better stuff. <laughs> that I mean, so then you just said it takes 18 months to sell the oysters. So we're only talking really about, and and not even just 18 months, but we're really only talking about the the growing side of it. You got to sell these. You got to get these to market. You had to figure out that side of it too. So like, where do you primarily um, sell Orchard Point oysters? I know I got them online and anyone that's listening right now, 100%, if you want oysters delivered to your door, by far the easiest process. I mean, that was so simple to go onto your website, click on it. They were there. And like I said before, like, I can't speak highly enough. Not a single one was dead. Not a single one felt, you know, like they've been dehydrated, dried out kind of thing, like a hollow shell. Like it was by far the best online oyster experience that I've had. And I've, I've ordered now from... 20 different farms at least and the way they were packaged how heavy they were then we got here and and you are right in my backyard you know you're uh two hours away from me but still i don't i don't doubt that they would have lasted three you know two or three more days just the way they were um but going back one way to get your oysters is online what are the other ways that you um sell your oysters sure so believe it or not before you know, the pandemic, we actually did zero retail sales. Uh, it was all 100% restaurants and, and distributors. So we, when we first started out, it was direct to chef um, because I had some chef connections through family in, in the DMV area. So that was kind of like a, 
and you start, so to speak, get in some good places and then um, go from there. But once you scale to a certain point, there's only so many restaurants that you can service yourself uh, just because of so many hours in the day and delivering uh, schedules and routes. And on top of that, you still have to farm and in the beginning do your own financials and, and all that. So it's a balance of spending time on the farm and the product and getting the quality nice, maintaining that, uh, building new accounts, and then saying, okay, well, at some point, we're going to have enough good oysters that we need to sell to distributors and wholesalers, especially outside this region. So um, anything outside of, like, the DMV, Philadelphia area, we're going through wholesalers, regional partners. So we'll put the oysters in boxes and they'll go on pallets, they'll go in refrigerated trucks, and they'll go you know, as far south as Orlando, uh, as far west as Denver, up to, um, you know, out to Ohio, places like that. And you know, it, that's how you move. It's how you start to move some volume. Now you don't you get the same prices you get from selling direct to chefs, but you know, outside of these markets, we're not like a we don't we don't, we don't own trucking companies and the distribution hubs. So we really rely on those partners, especially outside the area, to you know distribute the product and maintain the relationships. And it's kind of it's kind of nice to be able to put twenty boxes or hundred boxes, whatever whatever the number is, depending on supply. Um, on a truck and you know then it's kind of out of your hands it's you can go back to farming go back to doing uh, more strategic things uh, but we still we still do a lot of you know direct chef sales around the around the area and then when the pandemic hit you know sales went to zero i think within two weeks because you know the state had shut down and it was starting to become more of a national thing too so um, we had to figure out like how the heck do we you know stay afloat because the oysters were still growing um they, they didn't know there was a human, you know, born pandemic going on uh, and that there was not any demand anymore. So it was like, do you, do you stop tending to the farm and just let the quality, you know, go crap and, you know, create a huge headache down the road with trying to get through the oysters? Or do you, you know, still pay to have the farm worked and figure out something else? So I think within two weeks, Rob, we figured out how to cold ship oysters. Um, we, we, we were almost, we were almost finished up the website anyway. But that kind of put the step on the, we step on the gas on that one because we need some kind of interface to the public. So our designer, um, she worked out building out the store within like two weeks. And then um, we did trial and error on shipping stuff. We would we would send oysters, um, you know, this was in the spring, so it wasn't as hot, but we'd send them Chicago, Seattle, places like that, and, and you know, to friends that we could trust and, you know, see if they would hold temperature for 48 hours. And, um, just did that until we figured out the right ratio of gel packs and packaging and all that. And, um, so yeah, that, that was, you know, it was born of necessity, but it's something that we've, we've continued post pandemic. Um, and, and, you know, it sounds like you surely get around with these <laughs> online farms in terms of trying things. And, um, you know, we offer two day ground ship to the entire East coast, mostly for the most part, this is really rural area. Uh, and then as far West, it's like the Midwest. We can get there two days ground. It's it's amazing how far you can go on with ground shipping. Um, and then you know if people want it outside of that range, we offer overnight shipping, that sort of thing. We have an account with UPS, we're through third party, so it helps with the shipping costs a little bit. Um, but yeah, we're knocking wood. We're fairly confident they're going to arrive, you know, fresh, you know, a day or two out of the water, um, yep, alive and, and at temperature, safe, safe to eat in the summer. So yeah, it's been fun. 
And that's, I mean, like, and so I get lots of comments and questions of, or people just saying, Hey, I used to live in Southern Maryland and I miss, you know, crabs or I miss oysters. I can say right now, if you missed the Chesapeake Bay oysters and it's got a little bit, I think better flavor than just wild caught, but if you miss them, order them, like you can, it's, it's a simple process to get them from Orchard Point. I would highly recommend that. So if you're, if you're one of those people that leave those comments wondering, you know, how I can get some oyster ship for me, this is. We'll put that link down below so they can do that because it's well worth it. All right. So one of the things that I've noticed when I'm buying oysters, especially farm-raised oysters, is they're a little bit more expensive. But I also noticed, too, that they taste a lot better, too. Um, and I think it's worth that extra, you know, few bucks per dozen or something like that. And especially your oysters, I use the word umami for them because they have a certain, like, uh, flavor to them that I haven't had in any Chesapeake Bay oyster um, I've had them in the main oysters kind of have that same taste, a good sweet balance of sweet and salt. So like, what do you think is the, you don't have to give us any proprietary secrets, but what's the secret because there's other oysters growing in the Chester river. It's not like it's just your oysters. There's wild oysters and other oysters. What makes it so your, um, farm raised orchard point oysters are so unique with flavor. Yeah. Great question, Rob. I think, you know, a lot of ways, uh, oysters are like wine. So folks that are familiar with the, the wine industry. Um, understand the concept of terroir and you know that the oyster is going to taste uh, reflective of the region it's grown in and um, we're not to the point as an industry where we've got like palliations and like this is a certain denomination and you know category and class we don't grand crew oysters and stuff like that but um, I think it's both method and location so the oysters um, method also plays a role uh, to your point about there being other oysters in the chest from Eastern Bay, absolutely. Uh, there's wild oysters, there's other farms. I think, uh, I'll start with the place, um, you know, the Chester has uh, a lot of nutrients in it. It's primarily surrounded by agricultural farms. And actually where our main grout site is, it's right off of a uh, federal wildlife refuge. So there's no, there's actually no homes, there's, there's no industry. Um, at, at the most, there will be farm fields. So. Um, there's just a constant supply of that rich, uh, sun-fed algae that they're, they're experiencing. And since we keep them at the top of the water column, they're, they're constantly exposed to that. So I think it builds up with glycogen stores. Um, and then we move them southeastern bay, the way that the watershed there is shaped, it's almost like a salt funnel. Because um, in the bay, saltier water, colder water, denser water tends to move in a northeasterly direction. That's why, like, at the same latitude, uh, eastern shore versus western shore, the eastern shore is going to be slightly saltier because of that and it has to do with like the tides and the, and the moon and the way that that's crazy i never knew that never awesome. never knew that yeah it's interesting like you have to go down to southern maryland <clears throat> excuse me you have to go down to southern maryland to your neck of the woods to get similar salinity as say we get in the midday um on the eastern shore so um the way again eastern bay is shaped it's like it's kind of just catching a lot of that colder denser saltier water and it's a deeper bay um, with a good amount of upwelling with that cold denser water at the surface um, so i think it's just a unique geography between that lower salinity sweeter water in chester and then moving it down and finishing it in that you know probably deeper colder water um, saltier water of eastern bay and um, that's on the <clears throat> location side now the the method i think also informs taste uh because they're constantly in motion and surface floats at least the classics and the you know the ones you eat raw it's like constantly doing like a core workout for the oysters there because they're not they're not able to always be open and feeding like if they're on the bottom kind of passively feeding as they are you know that adductor muscle that muscle um 
that holds the two shelves, the top and bottom shelves together, um, isn't being that exercise. If they're say a wild oyster on a reef, and they have to close up when there's predators, that kind of thing. So that that's that's good for that. But <clears throat> because they're constantly being you know moved, rocked about, and hitting each other and banging into each other in the floats, they're doing this core workout um, where they you know have close and release and close. So it, what it does is it, it it exercises that muscle, just like if you were to go to the gym, you know, hit, hit the gym. Um, it's going to make that muscle bigger and, and more plump, more toned. And I think that might have something to do with when you're eating them, you get that firmness of that muscle that you wouldn't get. Um, and yep. I think that helps with flavor. Um, it's almost like when you eat a scallop, or you're eating a scallop most of the time you're eating just that muscle. Um, so we notice a lot when we shuck them out, a lot of times that muscle is you know, a good portion of the whole meat of the oyster. Um, so you know, a lot of, most people eat that. I don't know about you, Rob. Most people eat them front and back. So your first bite's going to be into that firmer, more scallopy kind of uh, muscle. And then you'll work your way back. Then you hit the stomach. When you, when you bite into that, that's what's going to release that, uh, that, that sweetness, that, uh, almost that glycogen bomb um, that you get from, from being in the two watersheds. So it, it's a bit of both. I think the interplay, it's just it's taken a while of trial and error to, um, to figure that out and um, justify moving you know, tons of rocks between two tributaries. Um, Cause that's, that's an extra step that we do that we don't necessarily have to. So another question I got for you under the next thing here is um, I hear you talking about eating them in the spring, in the summer. I'm guessing, I know wild caught season ends March 31st ish. Is there a season for farm raise or is that an all year round thing? So for farm raise, which is at least in the Chesapeake Bay, it is a year round process. So, um, they're growing mostly from the spring through the holidays, but as far as the harvest and the way our farm runs, I think a lot of farms in the state and up these, up these, down the East coast is that you're able to harvest actually year round. So we'll do, you know, three harvests a week, 52 weeks a year is, is ideally what we'll try to aim for. Um, so it's a lot of harvests that we bring in oysters, but by doing it that way, we can ensure that the customers are getting you know, fresh product as fresh as possible. Um, and it still makes sense on our end logistically. Um, but yeah, the, the, the beauty of, I guess, farmed oysters is that, a uh, couple things. One, uh, you know, the, the majority of farmed oysters, like 90 plus percent are actually triplet oysters. So they're like a seedless watermelon or a seedless grape. Um, they've been, um, bred selectively to take away the reproductive process, which basically the big thing back with wild oysters, um, before, you know, refrigeration concerns came into play um, was that you wouldn't want any oyster that was reproducing. It's just weak and watery to a degree. It's like July, early August when they're, you know, doing their thing. Um, the, the, that texture is just not there. So when you talk about chewing it, you know, maybe something that doesn't chew wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but you can just tell by shucking one out if it's spawned out, as we say, um, it's just, there's not much there as far as the meat quality. So by, Creating a, a sterile oyster, um, you don't have, you don't experience that. Even when the water gets warmer, they're going to devote all their energy to growing. So it, it increases the meat quality, but it also uh, allows the animal to devote itself 100% to growth. So that's where you get this really rapid growth. So it takes about 18 months where we are to get something to market. Whereas in the same waters, a wild oyster would take about three years. So it cuts that down about 50%. Uh, and then, you know, another thing since the advent of modern refrigeration and freon and cooling systems and all that is that we're able to, um, you know, practice high quality of 
food safety in the summer and the warmer months. So that's another concern from a public health perspective. Traditionally, why the public fishery uh, was isn't open in the summers, you know, you pull these things out, they're sitting in the back of somebody's truck, it's in a parking lot, it's 100 degrees, sun's baking down, not the greatest thing for seafood. Uh, and particularly with filter feeders that, you know, have the natural water in them, um, you get things like bacteria and, and, you know, viruses that can multiply, you know, very quickly under warm conditions. So <clears throat> by following federal guidelines, actually Maryland's stricter than the, than the federal guidelines, uh, under FDA, you know, we have to get everything down by a certain time and a certain temperature in the summertime. Um, they're pretty strict about it. And we're very diligent about it. We have to keep cooling logs every time we pull oysters from the water in the summer. Um, and the idea is that, you know, you get things, in this case, oysters down the temp quickly um, using modern available things. And I see now they have like coolers and, you know, uh, they have AC coolers now. <laughs> you can just take around portable. So, you know, the idea that things can have an unbroken cold chain is what we strive for. So we have a refrigerated van back up to the pier. As soon as they're out of the water and wash, they get right in the van. So they're right away at 50 degrees or less. And then they come into a packing room at 50 degrees while they're packed and counted. And then they go into a walk-in at 38. And then anytime they go out, they're either going right back in that van or they're going out of the truck at 45. So you really, in theory, um, in practice too, were able to maintain that unbroken cold chain. Uh, if they're going shipped out to someone like yourself and uh, through the through UPS mail, um, you know, we'll literally pack them in the walk-in with ice packs and put it in, you know, it's a nice sealed reflective uh, packaging. Um, and we'll keep it there right up until the, like four, I think five o'clock when UPS rolls out from our area. And if it's going next day or two day, we'll, we'll keep it in that walk-in at, at 38, right at that last second. And then bam, it's out the door and goes right to the, right to the shippers. So yeah, it, we, we really try to go beyond what we're probably required to do uh, by the state and the feds. But, you know, last thing anybody wants in this industry is to make anybody sick. So yeah, uh, we're, we're you know, especially eating some raw. So we're, uh, you know, we're probably too anal about it, but <laughs> no. And like we talked about earlier, like kind of what I wondered what makes Orchard Point oysters so great. Um, it sounds like it's all the little stuff that you're doing that's making it great, whether it's just the handling of them, getting them from boat, you know, to the consumer, or it's just going the extra mile to like the fact that you send it to different people to test out the cold storage, the fact that you're, you know, trying different combinations of waterways and stuff like that. Like it's your curiosity and your, your, uh, your desire to get it right. That seems like that it's making such a great product. And I, I, I can't speak highly enough about, you know, how great the farm raised oysters are. Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on. Why don't you tell us the best place to get in touch with you guys, whether it be Instagram or website, like how do you want people to reach out to you if they want to get some oysters? Sure. Sure. So, you know, we, we try to be big on the socials. I can do always better job with that, but um, our Instagram handle is orchard point oysters, all one word, no symbols. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, same thing, Orchard Point Oysters. Um, and then our website's pretty easy. There's a theme, orchardpointoysters.com. There's a shop there, shop shop. You just click on that. Uh, if you want to look at what products we offer, we you know do the cold shipping of oysters, but we also do you know Maryland crab meat as well. We do that to folks that you know are in the area or outside of the area that, like you said, yearn for the Maryland crab and they can't get it wherever they are. So we just I think we shipped out too to 
somewhat far flung last week, two pounds of it uh, somewhere to someone outside the area. So we do that. We've got other seafood too online. Everything we do right now is to order. Um, so that helps with our inventory management, but it also ensures freshness. So like a retail cutoff is Wednesday at noon. Um, and the idea behind that is that we want to give people enough t- time to get closer to the weekend, to maybe know what the plans are. Um, but, you know, they're going to be cold first thing Thursday morning, and you're going to get them a lot of times local pickup or cold ship. You're going to get them Friday. So they're really out of the water less than 24 hours sometimes. And um, that ensures that, you know, you get the best product possible. Whatever we don't, you know, move out, goes back in the water, and it's a chance to, you know, um, you know re- recondition itself. Um, but we have other things, you know, golf, wild caught golf shrimp, um, uh, Atlantic card clams, stuff like that. So if people want to peruse the various seafood options we have, the website's a great place to do it. And, you know, we're, we're in the process of maybe looking at a brick and mortar space down here in Kent Island for, for some additional um, seafood retail. So see that's awesome. That yeah, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we could, we can build that out. So. That's awesome. That's needed down there too. I feel like that would do well like that. That would be awesome to see. So I'll put the links down for anyone listening. I'll put the links down in the description too for the website, for Instagram and Facebook. And I appreciate you coming on today, Scott. And hopefully I'll be getting some more oysters here soon. We appreciate it, Rob. Your your, uh, your promotion and your, your honest reviews, I think, are, are keeping people honest. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.